Hey, it's Casey Cheshire from EO Boston. It's an honor for my team at Ringmaster to partner with EO Atlanta to produce this great podcast. If you're interested in an experience share around what it takes to launch a podcast, how to be a better host, or a great guest, shoot me an email at casey at ringmaster.com. And now back to the show. Entrepreneurship is hard. So let's fix that and dive into our hero's journeys. This is Taking Flight, an entrepreneur's journey, and I'm Sarah Torville. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of those already in flight. This show is sponsored by EO Atlanta. Welcome to our next episode of Entrepreneurs Flight, our podcast. We're very excited about our guest who is joining us today. I've been wanting to get him onto the show for some time. He is a very busy guy, but we made it happen. So um, he is a mentor, always lends a helping hand, an outstanding worker, a truly innovative leader, extremely dependable, and a life changer. He is the founder and CEO at Outsource Access, co-founder at One-on-One Connections, founder and CEO at Brad Stevens Training International, and he's also a host of a podcast called Automate and Delegate, Brad Stevens. Hey, Sarah, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to our our, our flight together here today. Yeah, we're going to take flight and learn so much about your journey and can't wait to share it with our listeners and our viewers. But we know how this works. We go straight in. We want to get to the nuts and bolts of all that education um, with you, Brad. So my first thing I really want to uncover with you is like, what did you get right when you took your first flight into your entrepreneurial journey? Well, probably like a lot of entrepreneurs, mine started uh, very, very young. I, uh, I have to say my first ventures uh, in, in third grade was probably the first thing that I got that I got right. I, um, anybody remembers those little micro machines, little tiny toy rental cars. I always asked for them for every Christmas and every single birthday. And, um, and my, uh, my parents used to take in a few Crown Royal um, beverages from, from <laughs> in, the, in the, the, the purple velvet bags that they came in. For some reason, that's like, that's what I'm going to carry all my, my micro machines. So I ended up getting like four or 500 of these things um, for, for, you know, during my younger years. And so in my, went into my little Christian school there in third grade with my Crown Royal bags and um, <laughs> rent them to all of my classmates um, for a penny a piece. And so I actually had a I actually had a, um, my mom still has it like the whole folder uh, where I had a VP of marketing. We had business cards. I even had like a newsletter typed out with the year like 1989 at the top of it. Um, so I, my dad used to drive me to school every day and uh, I'd always pick his brain with a, you know, kind of the entrepreneurial family business situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was, that was my first. And, you know, that's my first lesson I got right there is it's, and it's carried on today is getting the right people in the right seats. Actually, my VP of marketing there in third grade was Winter Hawkins. I'll never forget her. She was my, one of my best friends in, in elementary school. Um, but getting a chance to kind of get those wheels turning at, at an early age and then translate into doing a tutoring company in high school and, um, and then kicking off my entrepreneurial journey the rest of, rest of my path. But, uh, but I'd say I, I got, until I got shut down by my teacher, it created too much of a distraction, but uh, that meant that that was the biggest indicator that I got it right is you're getting shut down by the authorities. Yes. Right? So, yes. Uh, so, so you're saying getting the people in the right seats. So like, and I know you're like, you're playing with us a little bit because obviously this was you at school, but still you felt like, you know, you identified that critical person to do the marketing and that's not easy to do, is it? To find those white people. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. And it's unfortunately a lesson I kind of forgot in my earlier, which I'll kind of reference in, in part of our conversation okay. and uh, coming back to it. But uh, it is so essential uh, getting you know, the right people that you can trust and engage, you know, right from the beginning. And she and I were, were buds and uh, it worked out, worked out well. We could depend on one another. And so it was a, it was a fun little 
entrepreneurial kickoff, my lemonade stand, if you will. Yes. You mentioned, I'm just going to ask you, you mentioned your father driving you to school every day. So, and you were able to pick his brain. So it is, was your father an entrepreneur too? He was, uh, yeah. So I kind of, I grew up in a bit of an entrepreneurial type of, type of family. Um, going back to my great grandfather, uh, with just different adventures and, uh, and so, my dad actually ended up taking over and, and, uh, and running with um, the, the family business that was kind of going at the time in the manufacturing space and software space, actually in the, in the movie rental business, which we all know where that went. And it's right. another whole story of kind of where that path, but, mm-hmm. but I grew up around it, you know, a whiteboard permanently hanging up kind of over the fireplace and <laughs> conversations I got to observe between my dad wow. and my grandfather. And, um, but he would drive me to school every morning on the way to work and drop me off. And, um, and I didn't realize like how much I was subconsciously kind of absorbing it and would just ask questions and he would kind of share and so forth. And that was a little thing in, in elementary school. So yeah. he was a, he was a co-pilot for me, if you will, uh, early on in, in, in that venture, uh, quite literally side by side. Yeah, literally. Um, That's great to hear to take that. On that mentor- mm-hmm. So is he still a co-pilot to you to this day? And, and there, are there any other co-pilots you think have been very crucial to the growth as an entrepreneur? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, it's going it alone is, uh, always ended in, in, in not a good place whenever I've had that, that, that happened in the past. And so, um, so no yeah. doubt he was, he was, and even as of a phone call yesterday, um, you know, a co-pilot as he continues to be a great sounding board, uh, for yeah. me, um, and his journey, which went on and he's long story short, he's had a chance with even consulting that he's done being over 3000 small to medium businesses over the last 20 years, and has just gotten a cross section of every industry across this nation. Um, so there's not much I can present to him. That he hasn't heard a scenario or a case study and been able to give me insight. Um, so he was a song co-pilot and in my first company, which you'll talk about actually my mom, my aunt, my grandmother were some of my first employees that actually helped answer phones in the first, uh, <laughs> uh, med- uh patient assistance medication business that I ended up starting, which we'll, we'll talk about. Right. Okay. Uh, family has been a big part of the journey. Very, very good. Oh my God. I can't wait to hear, hear this story. So tell me like, what is a challenge that you and your team have to solve recently? Like uh, this is really, I want you to uncover because as we all know, as entrepreneurs, there's constant challenges. So is there something specific you can talk about, which we can learn from? Sure. And you're asking, you know, recently, um, yeah. there's some interesting challenges that I can share, especially that, that ended up happening that launched my current company, a complete disaster that turned into the best thing in my entire life, which I can speak to later. But, uh, but, mm. but recently, and this kind of goes back to where we, we started on, on right people, right seats. So we're, you know, I have a, an outsourcing business, you know, we have a virtual staffing business out of the Philippines. We provide staff for business owners all over. Um, and we've been fortunate. I mean, in three and a half years, we've grown to almost you know, 500 employees. Um, and, managing that hyper growth and managing the right people in the right seats at the management level um, has been a, a big challenge we've now navigated. Um, and everybody knows it, right? The, the people who get you there, can they take you there? Do you have to make changes yeah. and so forth? Um, and so that is a big challenge that we've been navigating in my, in my COO. Um, and you know, she's, she's demonstrated actually the ability to raise her lid. Young woman that I hired, my very first VA personally, I hired at 23 years old, never been one before, never been in management. And she's my chief operating officer now actually over the entire organization and continues to raise her lid to grow, okay. develop and learn what she needs to learn. And so we've been working together on getting the right senior leaders. So actually, I just went back to the Philippines back in October. And my challenge to her is before I went over, let's work and let's get the next level of senior leaders that we need who's going to help us because we're trying to double this year to 1,000 employees. And so that was the problem, getting the right people, getting them in the right seats. We made 
we made some compromises in the past with some people, um, you know, uh, to, to quote kind of the CEO coaching international, Mark Moses, I remember heard him speaking and was talking about when you rate people, you don't put a seven, right? They don't even allow you to put sevens on the survey. You got to choose above yes. or below it. And we were tolerating a lot of sevens mm-hmm. um, that create all the angst and frustration. Sometimes it's family members, sometimes it's friends, but also in business, they carry all that angst. So we said, look, I only want nines and tens. So using tools, so how do we go about solving it? Um, so I'm a fanatic about Jim Collins and I can talk a little bit about that. Um, but just his philosophy and all the studies he's done with all his books is it starts with disciplined people, the first who, then what it just get the right people yeah. and everything else will take care of itself. And then using EOS entrepreneurial operating system, which a lot of people use. And, and I love the GWC philosophy. Do they get it? Do they want it? And then do they have the capacity, Right. I've got yeah. people who get it, right? But they don't want it and they don't have the, the competency. Yeah. I got people who have the capacity, but they don't yeah. get it and want it. Yeah. So those two frameworks have been very helpful along with just a very intentional assessment and interview process. Instead of just gut feel, doing interview, getting a couple of references, we put people through a battery of 14 to 15 assessments. We use Culture Index. We use a Colby, use a, a number of different tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and then using top grading. Top grading is a, is a whole interviewing philosophy um, that you, you put the, the way that you interview candidates. Um, and then just very, very intentional case studies, right? To ad nauseum is, uh, we would do intense case studies when, when people want to come on my marketing director, my CMO, he about got lost his mind, but I gave him about four different case studies. Here's a scenario, present to me how you're going to solve this problem. So that's how we've gone about solving it. And, um, and we've, I'm very fortunate. I just had a management call two days ago with that team and I'm very pleased with the players we have in those seats. They're galvanizing, they're having healthy debate, they're engaged. And I think they've got the right foundation to take us to the next tier. That's great. So I've not heard of this top grading philosophy. So um, I, I've heard of all, I know there's there's a lot to be said around interviewing and hiring the right people. And obviously it's a massive subject on its own. Um, just, just scratch on the surface for me, if you don't mind. What's the top grading piece beyond everything else, like culture index? What does that next piece do? Is it just how to interview? Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's approach that it's, they face multiple interviews, right? Um, in, in more than one interview through the whole process, right? To find the right people are going to fill those those roles. So yeah, it's it's having multiple people that are looking right. at them from multiple perspectives and angles. Um, and we've kind of blended it with some other other things out there, but it's 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 we want multiple people that are looking through the lens and through their departments who they're going to have to interact yeah. with yeah. Um, to evaluate them effectively to make sure that we're going to get the most qualified you know candidate in the whole process. Right. And we've kind of integrated that with, um, you know, a philosophy is just the types of questions that they ask me. You can learn so much about an individual yeah. by, the ty- by the types of questions that we ask. We all know some of the best and most intelligent people in our lives. A lot of time, the ones that ask you the best questions. Yeah. So we'll give a scenario. And before I even want them to give me the answer, Anita, I just want to know what are the 10 questions you would ask me to get more information to, to resolve this challenge? And it was really, really insightful are they asking for the right information right. and the right Yeah, approach? it says a lot about what they know and the way they think and how they might approach something. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, exactly. really good. I can't imagine. So you've got basically your intent is to hire 500 more people in 2023. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah. we're 500 as far as our, our target. It'll actually end up being more than that with any kind of attrition and so forth that we may have in the process. Right. But yeah. But yeah, so we... You know, we're in the people that not only do we apply this in our senior management level, but even down to the front line, every single frontline virtual staff that comes on board with us, because we actually hire them as full-time employees in, in, in the Philippines. So we yeah. bring them on, we pay health insurance and benefits. So mm-hmm. we want to make sure we're getting the right people that we match with our clients. And mm-hmm. um, 
So yeah, we, we do a pretty intensive process, IQ testing, emotional intelligence testing, just all the things to give us the best chance for understanding who they are. Now, human beings, as we all know, can, t- can still never cease to amaze us despite all those assessments, but at least it's you're putting your best foot forward to, to know you've done everything exhaustively to try and get a good handle on those individuals. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And you're in the people business. You got to find the right people. So you're not selling a product, you're selling a service. So um, yeah, 100%. So favorite book right now? Brad, is there, and I don't know if that relates to helping, you mentioned this book just a moment ago, but is there a favorite book right now? Is it aligned to the challenge that you've been overcoming or is it just something else you just want to share with us? Um, yeah, and, I, and I'll, I'll reference and there's, and I mentioned kind of Jim Collins um, and I know a lot of people have heard Jim Collins and, yeah. and I, one, one gift I would like to give to listeners that was given to me is, is, to, is to really go revisit that. Our, our EOS employer made, it, made us read Good to Great as a management team. And I was like, yeah, I read that back in my 20s. You know, they talk about yeah. Circuit City and like, isn't that dated and so forth. Reading it through the lens of running this company and a fast growth. And also I was president of EO Atlanta during that time as well. It was like a whole different way of viewing it. I was like, these are the timeless principles that it's empirical, right. data-driven. So I ended up getting really passionate about that and kind of revisit all of his books. And a lot of people don't realize that on jimcollins.com, you go to his website and under the tab called Concepts, he has taken all of his concepts from all his seven books and reduced it down to a thing called the map. And it's taking all the principles, the hedgehog, the flywheel concept, all of the different Stockdale paradox, which I've quoted just yesterday. I bring that up nonstop. He has it in a very tight framework. Um, It has a 22 minute video that he literally takes 30 years of research and boils it down to 22 minutes that he shares in that map about disciplined people, disciplined thought, disciplined action being built to last and just beautifully captures it together. So it's actually every frontline VA that joins us in our company, all I ask them to watch and see that to understand the philosophy of how we run and build our company. Yeah. Um, That's great. Currently I'll share one quickly is uh, the six types of working genius. Um, Cause I, I, that is a foundation for me. So when I look back, you know, a, a lot of times entrepreneurs, and I think business owners and myself is, we can get endorphin hits off of consuming the next framework, the next idea before we go and execute and squeeze all the juice out of the ones we've already learned. So I tried Collins framework, I think for me is very timeless. Um, so I try to read things that dovetail with it um, and EOS. And so uh, Pat Lencioni came out with a book and a framework called the six types of working genius and mm-hmm. um, been engaging that recently. And it has been very, very eye-opening of thinking about how work gets executed in a business. The difference between, you know, the the, the wanderer versus the, the the executor versus the people that can get it to the finish line. Um, so six types of working genius, and he does it as a, as kind of a fable narrative. And so the CEO that he talks about in the beginning of that book, like, hit me between the eyes because it's exactly where some of my frustrations were, and it literally right. gave me the exact keys to solve that that challenge. Great, I love that you're sharing some phenomenal advice. Thank you for that, Brad. Sure. Um, Okay, so what excites you about the future? What does the future of flight look like right now for Brad Stevens and all the businesses that you're involved in? <laughs> um, you know, I have to say one thing is just is being a parent and, and my children. Like I'm yeah. just like, ecstatic about about just the journey and their path ahead. I'm, uh, another book I'm engaging right now is the five love languages of children. And, um, and I, I just, saw that. Yeah, on your uh, social media yesterday. Yeah, I love that. It's crazy how many text messages and, and, and comments I've gotten from people mm-hmm. that said, I needed to hear that right now. And, and right. You know, again, at the end of the day, I'm not saying I've got all this. I mean, part of the reason is it holds me accountable. That's why I do this yeah. post when I do on social about things I'm taking away because it helps it burn in my brain and, re- and remember them. Um, but just some fundamentals. And I just, the, the world that it's an exciting world that's happening, but it's also the most complex world, I think, yeah. that our children are entering into. And um, 
I just think parenting has never been more critical to get it right, to be proactive. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that and, and the journey. My kids are three and six and they're just a wonderful, fun age right now, but it's also just really where things start really getting imprinted deeply um, yeah. and, and how you're shaping them, right? I mean, yeah. a lot of these assessments out there, Culture Index, and a lot of them, they talk about by the ages of 11, 12 years old, your kid is hard-coded for the rest of their life, right? As human mm-hmm. beings for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So trying to get that, that right. And then secondly, I'll just say the globalization of work is really cool. You know, with obviously the industry that I'm in, but at the end of the day, people all over the world are able to collaborate together to get things done. So work is now flowing naturally to, to where is the highest and best use. And so it's cool to see that, I mean, here I am one person in the United States and I've got 500 people on the other side of the world yeah. and got other people in different countries that are doing things and just constantly seeing. And what it's bringing is bringing happier individuals to people are waking up every day doing the stuff that they like doing. That's the best use of their time and gives them opportunities that maybe they wouldn't have gotten uh, otherwise. So it's exciting to see how it's all shaping up. Definitely. Yeah. And I'd love to unpack a little bit. Uh, like, how did you come to the realization you wanted to, you know, run a business? I mean, being, cause I've done a lot of um, work in other countries too, but, and I know you spend a lot of time traveling backwards and forwards, but is, is that challenging being the only person here and being a 500 people? I mean, obviously you've got a good operations person. You mentioned that, but like, what are some of those challenges? Sorry, that wasn't on the script, but I'm just interested. Oh, sure. I mean, there's there's plenty yeah. of them for sure. But I, yeah. you know, an interesting an interesting byproduct that I learned is that by me not being there, our business has grown faster. Um, right. the, the, the irony of it uh, in that, you know, as I know myself and as business owners and entrepreneurs, we can end up, we can cog, clog the wheel, right? Yes. Because we can dive down rabbit holes. We can not, not follow my own advice, which is the 85% rule. Like, look, yeah. if it's brain surgery, it can't be 85%, but if it's yeah. 85, 90% of the way I would get it done and it keeps moving down the road, then let it move. Right. Yeah. Or we see challenges or issues and we go down and we halt the whole team. So by not being there in the office day to day and seeing every single thing that's going on, it's, it's, it kept me from, from halting some of our growth and opportunity by going down rabbit holes that, mm-hmm. that would have kept us, um, now, there's certain things that you got to keep guards on and from, from, from legal and insurance yeah. and so yeah. forth, you got to make sure. And those have been my priorities, but, um, so that's been an interesting, you know, ironic outcome of it, but, yes. uh, but it just happened as a, by chance. I mean, a lot of it was trust and found this young woman that, that I connected with personally. And because mm-hmm. of the work I was giving her and the way I was treating her and the way that we were mm-hmm. collaborating together, um, and it was when GLC, a global leadership conference for EO was in Macau. Um, I was like, you know what? Why don't I just go ahead and fly on over to the Philippines? I've been working with her for a couple of years and said, hey, if we're going to launch our own operation. Um, so I went over, toured a bunch of facilities and, and decided to, to kick it off. And so I launched it in, in June of 2019, May, June of 2019. Um, and so it was right before COVID, obviously, right? And so yeah. we had grown down to 80 or 90 people by the end of 2019. And then COVID happened. And um, one of the big challenges, but opportunity was, is I was about to sign, I was actually on my forum retreat in Costa Rica. And I remember I did a presentation to my forum because I was about to sign on a 150 person office building, a physical office building in the Philippines. And this was in like in January, February, 2020. And I was like, ah, oh, is this COVID thing real? Like, should I sign on this? And I decided, decided not to. Right. Um, and it forced us to build a distributed work from home workforce with our yeah. team. And what that did was, is we, we learned how to make people feel engaged and connected with a lot of really cool culture things that we ended up doing virtually, mm-hmm. but allowed us to scale tremendously because we weren't constrained by physical office space that people had to come into. Yeah. Um, so it was a big challenge uh, at first is how to, how to build and manage that, especially during the pandemic and everyone dealing with the mental health challenges of everything else being at yeah. home and disconnected. But, um, 
but he goes back to the right people. And so we yeah. just kept focusing on getting the right folks in and, uh, and system and process. I actually hired an EO Philippines member to be my EOS implementer over there, which was an absolute mm-hmm. godsend mm-hmm. having, you know, be a big commercial for EO, but I mean, naturally it's been a huge part of my life the last yes. decade and yes. I've leaned in, in and they connected me. And so I, as her name, and so she helped implement EOS and we had to do it all virtually, but that was the glue, frankly, that helped us together that, cause we kept growing rapidly even during COVID, mm-hmm. um, and managing that process. So, uh, mm-hmm. lots and lots of lessons to learn, but, um, but those are kind of a few as we got things kicked yeah, off. No, this is wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Like Mike, you're just sparking lots of ideas in my brain right now. So I, I appreciate that. So I know our listeners and viewers will feel the same. So, um, <laughs> so who are you, Brad? I mean, it's like, I mean, you're, I find you have so much energy and I love it. Every time I talk to you, I feel, I feel energized. Um, and there, there's obviously you've done so much to kind of get to the point where you're at. So kind of give us a bit of a highlight before you, okay. It sounds like you were always an entrepreneur. We, we heard that at the age of four years of age, um, whatever age you said it was when you were younger, but like, who are you? What's, what shaped who you are today? Do you think? There's a, a lot of factors I would say, um, well, like anyone, I mean, in terms of nature versus nurture, I mean, I think fundamentally who I am as a, as an individual, um, you know, my parents, obviously, everybody points back to immediately. My, it's interesting. My parents are kind of an interesting blend. My dad's kind of a more pure analytical type, and and my and, and my mom is is fantastic analytics as well, but but also just got very good relational, you know, capability yeah. and emotional emotional capacity and kind of a, the, the empathetic piece. So I think mm-hmm. I was fortunate to get a pretty decent blend between the two of them, um, mm-hmm. which has been very helpful, you know, kind of going forward to. to business has a lot of analytical data-driven decisions, but there's also the, the emotional and, and the, and the empathetic connection piece. Um, and I think I've been very fortunate to have that, that blend and, and I had an amazing family growing up. Um, you know, I, I have, my mom's one of four, my dad's one of four and growing up, I think subconsciously back to that, we talked earlier about your shape so much before the age of 12, I had an army of people around supporting me and cheering me on at a young age, yeah. you know, there for all my ball games and there for all my events and so forth. Um, and I don't think people realize like how powerful that is when you, when you hear 40 year olds in a room talk up and, and about wh- where their challenges are, they, they point back to, well, nobody was there for my stuff when I was eight years old. I didn't feel that support. So I think I was very fortunate consciously, subconsciously to have a powerful support system of people were there encouraging me to build my self-confidence. And cause I mean, yeah. that's what you take with you the rest of your life to take risks, to do the things we have to do as entrepreneurs. And otherwise like you got to have self-confidence. And um, yes. so I was fortunate to have that, you know, that kind of early on um, mm-hmm. in, the, mm-hmm. in the game plan, but, um, but it's translated, I think when it comes to the empathy side and, and giving back as well, I think that's been a, a big part of that I've always had and, and, and built into my mindset as a young age. Um, so I've, helped start nonprofit initiatives, um, did a whole deal for breast cancer, a big you know, skeet shooting event we did for four or five years. And then, you know, building this company uh, with outsource access. Um, you know, I, my VA, when I, JCL, who I hired two months after working with her, she sent me this picture in this village of uh, a bunch of shoes on, on the ground and with a bunch of children. She said, Brad, I just want you to know, because of the, the money I'm making working with you, I'm able to kind of buy all these shoes for these children. I have to walk a mile and a half back and forth to school or an hour and a half back in school. And um, so tapping back in, I just always want to do that type of element in our business. And I got yeah. a chance because of EO, I got a chance to go to the United Nations headquarters and, and do and learn about the sustainable development goals. And so I told JSL that day, I said, hey, I don't know what we're going to do with this whole thing, if we're going to start a yeah. business around it. But if we do, I want that to be a big part of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's probably been one of the biggest enjoyments for me of growing this business is, is the impact and life-changing element. I've seen it happen. Uh, I mean, JSL, who I just, she actually just sent me a picture. She just built a house 
a home, from scratch, built her own own home for the you know, and uh, and actually bought a piece of property over there, which had, her life and background would have never been possible right. from a lot of times. Right. Um, so it's been a big part of of kind of I think giving back and and trying to be purpose driven. If you yeah, back to Jim Collins, right? It's the companies that are purpose driven and and people yeah. feel recognized and they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's certainly don't get it all right. And there's lots more ways I can give a whole lot more and trying to continue to work on, on other ways we can do that. But, um, but I think I, I attribute that to my family and kind of building that in uh, kind mm-hmm. of early on, but, but love mm-hmm. athletics and enjoy playing guitar and doing some singing kind of as far as side hobbies. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but that's a, and some fly fishing, love to hit a stream out there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This seems like we have a ear has a bit of a bang going on because then I just spoke to somebody this morning who also plays the guitar, also sings. I like to sing, used to be in a band. I'm sure we pulled us all together and be quite, quite instrumental. So you never know. That may happen one day. So how exciting. Okay. Yeah. So um, present day, what problem do you solve, Brad? And what impact have you made? You just talked about some impact, which is incredible. Um, and, and I know, you know, these people are working hard and are being a good partner to you, but at the same time you have open doors for people, I think because of the relationship type of person that you are as well, but, but talk to me, like maybe more about the business. I, um, you know, what problem are you solving for your clients? We are in the simplest terms, I think, and from my own experience of stumbling across this whole offshore staffing world and what it did for me, um, it, it, it's just helping small to medium businesses. Cause I, I don't have a real interest in going after fortune 500 or fortune yeah. 1000 and being like a call center. It, it, it's, it's helping businesses, particularly business owners and their staff to, to get more done and enjoy more life, to be honest. Um, right. looking at, I look at, I look at things in terms of like, you're not selling the drill, you're, you're selling the hole yeah. in the wood. Right. Um, and the hole in the wood, ultimately the, the final outcome is, entrepreneurs are wrapped around the axle so much, right? There's only, there's a reason why only 4% of businesses get to a million dollars a year in this country um, because they are so much hammering that growth ceiling and can't scale and get on the other side. And it dramatically impacts their quality of life. They're maxing out credit cards. They're stressing out. They don't have their the relationship with their spouses, their children and so forth. Yeah. So I know, I know it sounds a little ooey gooey from an emotional standpoint of what our business, but that's, that's the hole in the wood. And what I see when I talk what I had it happen for me and why I chose to launch this whole business. I was like, man, this has changed my life. The way I scale and grow a company, I'm able to do things I was never able to do before. And then I see our clients that go from one to five or six. And one of our clients, Chip Dodd, who's actually a member of Southeast Virginia, he's got a business. They provide uh, nurses for home health care. And he was still running the business day to day and so forth. Well, he learned about this world, started, got his own VA. Now he has one for all of his staff. He was able to depart entirely out of the business and travels the world doing adventure races, raising money for nonprofits called disability, right? Literally changed his entire life. So in terms of the feature and benefit, it's going in and, and being able to absorb the administrative and operational clutter in a business in two categories, one, what are things that people, owners and their staff that are, are doing that they don't need to be doing that aren't the best and highest, best use of their time? Yeah. And then the second is, what are the things that they're not getting to in the business? Uh, we've been meaning to do more on LinkedIn. We've been meaning to get video testimonials yeah. on our website. We've been meaning to get our QuickBooks cleaned up and they're not getting to it. So those yeah. two buckets yeah. tend to create a big, big list of things. Yeah. And so our staff plug in, they're fast learners, good communicators can take feedback, um, and, and the big thing I learned in this industry is a lot of people too, and, and even hiring locally, 
is I almost didn't hire JCL, who's now my CEO of the whole company, because she didn't know the exact software that I was using. She didn't right. know the exact tools. What I was missing and the woman I was working with said, Brad, I think I to learn quickly. Yeah, but thank goodness I did because it's abilities, their passion, their drive, their attitude, a lot of the yeah. stuff can be learned. Yeah, yeah, I agree so with you. It's the same I type of situation. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Very, very cool. Okay, so introspection question. Uh, this question is always so interesting. I can't wait to ask you. I think I know the answer, but let's see. If you were to do this all over again, would you do it all over again? Oh, a million percent. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's... Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't look at challenges. I mean, that, that's one thing I think I've grown a lot in the last 10 years is in, in my 20s and in my early 30s, I, I would look at challenges and issues and things that came up as woe is me and why is this happening to me and so forth and other challenges we've had with the business and so forth and figuring yeah. things out. But every single one of them translate into a very, very positive you know, outcome. Um, yeah. And so you know, this business I launched right now, Outsource Access, is because my last business, we manufactured and distributed teeth whitening products. We had a product that gas filled up in when the manufacturers changed one of the components. And basically, we said 10,000 faulty products globally. And I was forced to learn about this offshore world to get things done lower cost to help save my company at the time. Worst thing in the world that was possibly happening to me, but it forced me to learn this stuff then translated me into launching this business. It's yeah. now the most aligned I've ever yeah. been in my, in my life. So, um, so every challenge that happens, I just... You know, and that's very cliche in a lot of ways, but I think I, I, there's younger listeners that are in the middle of a mess. They're in the mi middle of a challenge um, is just truly having the half full approach to it and finding where the yeah. learning lessons are and getting on the other side. Yeah, no, very true. It's great. I, I agree with you as well. Totally. Every tough area. If you don't area, learn from them and you keep yeah. repeating them, well, then, then that's a whole That's an problem. issue. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Actually, I went through that a little bit myself in the last couple of years, kept making the same, allowing the same thing to happen over and over again. And then you're like, literally hit a brick wall. Um, yeah. It's, so don't do that. I learned that way. Just if you see a problem, get it fixed and move forward and learn from it. So, um, and I have, so there we go. There's a good outcome. <laughs> um, exactly. So bonus round, like, what do you do outside of work? You mentioned, um, you sing, which is great. And you like to play the guitar. Uh, your kids are so important to you, which I love. They're gorgeous. I've seen them on social media, beautiful looking children. Um, but tell me what else, what else is going on outside of work? Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, kids are a big central part. And so their passions end up being my passions in terms of what they're engaging in. So, uh, do, doing a lot of uh, Kiwi kits with my, with my daughter and my son likes wearing his cowboy boots everywhere and loves getting out. And, uh, we actually, <laughs> We're out there um, moving firewood, firewood yesterday. So right. I'd say it's a lot of micro hobbies kind of tied to, you know, to, my, to my kids. Um, yeah. But outside, yeah, actually, so guitar, I mean, I, I've, I've gone in and out of playing and it's something I want to get much, much better. It's one of my commitments this year is actually getting a, um, somebody to come over and do instruction to kind of take mm -hmm. it to, to the next level. Um, so definitely enjoy it. And, um, and yeah, trout fishing. And, uh, and I love, I love yeah, uh, shooting guns as well. I love skeet yeah. shooting. Um, yeah doing some bird hunting, pheasant hunting. I actually just did a, did an event recently with um, some YPO and EO members doing some pheasant hunting. Right. Um, so Very look forward cool. to getting back out and enjoying some of those hobbies and, and yeah. the golf course from, from yeah. time to time. So trout fish, do you say trout fishing? Yeah. My, so my experience of trout fishing, I don't know if this is the right experience, but in the UK, we would um, have trout farms. Um, and I was very young, but literally you just didn't have to do anything. You kind of throw your fishing rod in and you catch trout and then we would go home my mom would gut the trout 
and I would take it around to the neighbors and I would sell it. This was my entrepreneurism <laughs> coming through. I would sell it, make a nice little profit, provide it with some ice, package it, pass it to the neighbor. And every Sunday they got fish. Um, and I used to make, you know, do pretty well out of it. My mom didn't like it so much because our, you know, our washroom um, in the kitchen area just stunk of fish every day of the week because <laughs> But um, is it the same here in America? Like, is a trout farm is it that easy, or is that is it not that is it not that easy? Sounds like I need to, to take a trip, trip. Uh, yeah, you need to go to England and do some yes. trout fishing. Yes. Um, I mean, you get in some good streams. Actually, we did a we did an EO event recently, and uh, there's an, some amazing streams here in, in Atlanta that um, if you go into some stocked areas and so forth, you can you can catch them pretty well if they're not right. wild. Now, wild trout um, are very very difficult uh, right. to catch versus the the ones that are stock farms, but, uh, okay. but I love doing float trips too, where you hop in a boat you, you have a guy just sitting in the front and the back and you float, yeah. um, down and catch 25, you know, 30 yeah. fish. That's a more efficient path. Uh, a lot of times, okay. but it's just a peaceful, peaceful, uh, experience and yeah. North Georgia here are some beautiful streams to kind of go and, and enjoy that. So I was about to say, Georgia does lend itself for that type of outside living and the, all the lakes and streams we have are amazing. So um, well, this has been a great conversation, Brad. I feel like I got to know you better. Uh, I learned from you and I, I'm hoping, I know our listeners and viewers will feel the same. Thank you for sharing all of that. Uh, where can people connect with you? Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, do a, do a lot of social posting. I kind of look at social as kind of like my digital scrapbook. So you'll see some business things and some personal things that I share. When I look back at uh, my kids, I can go on that and kind of see what, what my life was about. So, um, so yeah, if you just look me up on, on Facebook, I think it's Brad Stevens 44 is my actual handle on Facebook and then uh, on LinkedIn. And so I can imagine I have some VAs that help me. I do some posting and they help kind of replicate it out there. Yeah. Uh, but our website, I mean, if anybody's interested in kind of see what our business is about and what we do in a lot of the, the we have a, a bunch of educational content um, at outsourceaccess.com mm -hmm. um, and then one-on-one -on -one connections, the number one, O-N, uh, one connections.com uh, as we're, helping build kind of connections with the member base types of organizations. Um, okay. If anybody's interested too, I, and as I share this in all podcasts and too, is a, we, we set up an email address. Uh, that's just tools, T-O-O-L-S at outsourceaccess.com. Um, you don't need to write anything in it. If you just put like, uh, you know, taking flight podcast in the subject line. But if you just send an email to that, um, we actually got a bunch of great tools and resources and recordings around all kinds of things with content um, and links to like our podcast and what have you. So if people have enjoyed some of the things I've shared, um, yeah. I love educating and creating content. So if you send an email to that, um, uh, we'll kick you some some resources and things kind of tied to some of the things that I've shared, even including that Jim Collins curriculum. I actually created a Jim okay. Collins curriculum tied back to that that uh, that video I mentioned. Amazing. You know, I'm now starting to realize why I think you're so productive. It's because of the VAs you have in your life. The virtualist, I mean, would you agree? I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to think like you, you're going to, I even see when I send you an email and your out of office comes on and you have a list of all this stuff. It's like, and, and I'm just asking you, it does, do the VAs help with all that? Is that something which enables you to be that much more productive? You're kind of living the life that you're selling. Is that right? A trillion percent. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a, that's why the name of my podcast is Automate and Delegate. And that's yeah. the theme. I mean, it's about, absolutely. I mean, my, my team, it's about, it's taking the time to architect process. And if you take the time to do it, and that's the yeah. challenge, a lot of entrepreneurs, it's like the famous last words of death of the non-scaling entrepreneur. It's easier yeah. for me to just keep doing it myself than to train someone else on it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. and some of those recordings that I share, but it's, it's, it's absolutely, it's practicing what I preach yeah. in terms of how can yeah. I 
you know, I share like one example, my watch was broken when I was first started using a VA and I just kept thinking like creative, like how can I use another resource to this? So instead of me Googling and trying to figure out how to get my watch fixed, I took a picture of it and sent it to JCL and I said, hey, could you figure this out? So you went online, searched, found the facility, filled out the repair document, logged in my UPS account, created a shipping label and had it all in my inbox the next day. And it's like those little things kept unlocking and I'm like, okay, that's two hours of my time that yes. got released. You know, well, how do I find a, my, my, my daughter wants a unicorn birthday party, go Google and figure out, you know, places in Atlanta that have horses that dress up as unicorns for birthday parties. Right. And a Google doc comes back with a list of 15 of them, all the pricing. So it's, it's all the death by paper cuts in yes. life. Because ultimately we all as entrepreneurs want to be sitting in that visionary strategic where our, our superpower is, and it's getting all that other stuff kind of off your plate. And yeah. like my auto reply, like I kind of have that perpetually going is if, yeah. if you train people that you're there to respond all the time immediately, if you don't get things in other people's hands, it's like, hey, I check email once a week, see below all the people that can help you with everything that you could possibly mm -hmm. need. Mm -hmm. And they and they do. So it's, mm -hmm. it's shifting a mindset and approach of like, I've got to have my hands on everything all the time. Yeah. It's kind of tough to, to scale. No, I way. agree. I've woken up to it, exactly what you do now and how you help. So Sorry, it's taken me all the way through this podcast. And I'm like, I get it. It now makes sense. And I'm, yeah, love it. Well, thank you so much, Brad, for joining us today. My pleasure, Sarah. Thanks so much for your time and commitment to, uh, to listen to all of us entrepreneurs ramble on on our, our life journey and appreciate what you're doing. And hopefully we continue to spread the word. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, thank you as well to our audience. If you learned something today, maybe you laugh, maybe you just like feel so good about the knowledge share you're getting from um, the Entrepreneur's Flight podcast, please do tell someone about this podcast um, and um, really kind of share share the love with other entrepreneurs because there's a place for them to go and get support and knowledge. Um, thank you again, Brad, for joining us. And this Appreciate has been a very, it. another exciting episode of EO Atlantis Taking Flight and I will see you guys next time. And so that wraps up another episode. Thank you for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at takingflight.live. For more information about EO Atlanta, visit eoatlanta.org. Special thanks to the following sponsors.